0: Welcome to this VIT podcast. The topic of this podcast is teacher conduct. We're talking to Angela Barrick, who's a senior lawyer at VIT. One aspect of Angela's role is to investigate complaints made against teachers, and she can provide us with important information on the sort of issues that arise. This podcast episode is a bit different. Angela is going to take us through the process of what actually happens when a teacher is being investigated by police for an alleged sexual relationship with a student. Using a real example, we're going to hear from Angela about how VIT finds out and what steps it follows from there. Angela will give us an interesting insight into the role of the accused teacher's colleagues and what responsibilities they had in this situation. We'll also hear about the definition of a sexual offence and what happens to a teacher who is found guilty of a sexual offence. So the background to this case study is, VIT received a notification from an employer about a high school teacher in Victoria who was allegedly in a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old student. The principal had already contacted Victoria Police and the teacher was under investigation. Now, Angela, before you take us through the story, why did the principal contact VIT as well as the police?
1: Well, the employer notified us because the legislation says they have to. For those that don't know, there is an obligation on the employer of a registered teacher to tell the Institute if the employer has taken any action against the teacher in response to allegations about a teacher's fitness to teach, serious misconduct and the like. The action taken in this case study was that the teacher's employment was suspended. The employer gave us the contact details for the teacher's principal and the detectives at Victoria Police. Now, I just want to remind teachers that the employer is not always your principal. If you're a government teacher, then your employer is the Department of Education. If you're a teacher in the Catholic sector, your employer might be your parish priest or it might be the Catholic Education Office in your diocese. If you're a private school teacher, the arrangements vary, but your employer is often the board of that school or the CEO of that school. So in this situation, the Institute had to gather as much information as we could as quickly as possible so that we could decide whether or not to suspend the teacher's registration. So we called the police and we spoke directly with the detective dealing with this matter. And the detective explained what they knew of the alleged relationship between the teacher and the student... And without going into all the details, we we found out that a close relationship had formed over the preceding few months, and there was no sexual intercourse between the teacher and the student, but there was some evidence of indecent acts between the teacher and the student. There was also some evidence of communications between the teacher and the student on social media platforms. So the police investigation was ongoing, but they hadn't charged the teacher yet So I just want to make it clear at this stage nothing about the registered teachers conduct is proven. These are still allegations and even though they're serious allegations they were still under investigation. So then we spoke directly with the principal who confirmed that the registered teachers colleagues at the school originally raised concerns with the principal about this teacher's conduct. Now this is an important point. As a registered teacher You should be aware of the Code of Conduct, you should be aware of your reporting obligations in the Crimes Act, the Child Safe Standards in Victoria, the Reportable Conduct Scheme as well as your obligations to report concerns to the Department of Health and Human Services. Now it sounds like a lot, but all registered teachers are considered to be mandatory reporters and with that comes a lot of obligations.
0: Okay, so where can teachers find out more about this?
1: There are links on our website to the department's program called Protect Children. The department provides information and guidance to schools, to early childhood centres, VET and higher education providers. So if you click on the school's guidance um, tab or link, you'll see another link to reporting and legal obligations. And that is the page which outlines all the obligations that apply to teachers and schools. It's a really handy guide, which you should familiarise yourself with, and it includes the Obligations in the Crimes Act. We also have a link on our website to some online e-learning modules for government and non-government schools. And I think we might be able to post a couple of links for our listeners. Yeah, great. So back to our case study. The teachers at this particular school knew their obligations and they were vigilant. So they were watching out for each other. And what I mean by that is they had an awareness of what type of conduct brings the whole teaching profession into disrepute. So the teaching colleagues called out the behaviour that they knew was inappropriate and likely to lead to trouble. So some of those teachers raised their concerns directly with the teacher in question, others raised concerns with their principal, and others spoke with their own leading teachers. And at this point in time, the Institute did not know about this situation because it was all being managed at the school level. But what we know now is the conduct between the teacher and the student, it was inappropriate and it seemed to be escalating. And then disclosures were made. It was that classic situation where a friend told a friend who told a grown-up who then notified the school.
0: Okay, uh, so what happens next?
1: So once we had enough information to assess, the Institute decided to suspend the teacher's registration on an interim basis. And that was because the teacher posed an unacceptable risk of harm to children and we commenced an investigation off the back of that so even though we have the power to do this it's a decision that is not made lightly so at this point the teacher was not allowed to teach anymore whether the school was going to let them or not and this is because if you're suspended on an interim basis you're not allowed to be in any classroom so the police investigation continued while we reassess the teacher's interim suspension every 30 days, which is what's required under our legislation. So every month we would reassess any developments in the investigation, we would liaise with police, and we would progress our own investigation into the matter.
0: Tell us a little bit about how we liaise with police.
1: Okay, well, liaising with the police is something the Institute does on a regular basis. Some teachers might not realise this, but... All registered teachers in Victoria go through the Victoria Police database every week. So we get a report every Tuesday which tells us which registered teachers are the subject of an investigation or a pending charge, who has been charged and what they've been charged with, and even what the court outcomes are. So to put it into perspective with this case study, the Institute knew the teacher was being investigated, but the following week we received the official report from police which confirmed that the teacher was the subject of a pending charge. A few months later, we were notified that the teacher was actually charged and what they were charged with, and that was committing an indecent act with a 17-year-old in their care supervision or authority. So this development opened the door for a different type of suspension. So when a teacher is charged with a sexual offence the Institute can suspend their registration on an ongoing basis, but this only happens if what you're charged with falls within the definition of a sexual offence in our Act, and that Act is the Education and Training Reform Act. So if we suspend your registration on an ongoing basis, we don't reassess the suspension every month. What we do instead is wait for those charges to be dealt with in court, So if, for example, the charges are dismissed in court or someone is acquitted of those charges after a court hearing, then the suspension might get lifted. I should clarify, though, that doesn't mean it's the end of the matter. It just means the criminal investigation and the prosecution is finished, but we can still investigate the criminal allegations ourselves. We just do it a little differently and we focus on whether the Code of Conduct has been breached. But I want to talk a little about the definition of a sexual offence in our Act. It's a long and technical definition, and I'm not going to read it out word for word, but it basically includes all sexual offences against children, grooming, child pornography offences, and even encouraging a child to engage in sexual activity. It also includes sexual offences found in Commonwealth legislation, such as trafficking in children, transmission of child pornography across state borders and internationally, and use of a carriage service to supply or obtain child abuse material or to procure or groom a child. So once upon a time, these Commonwealth offences were not included in our definition of a sexual offence, which meant it just took a little longer to take regulatory action against some registered teachers. But now that definition is wider, our regulatory action is more immediate.
0: So, the teacher's found guilty of a sexual offence. What happens
1: next? Well, in this situation, the charges were dealt with in court, and the teacher was found guilty of committing an indecent act with a 17-year-old child in their care supervision or authority. And that meant that the teacher was found guilty of a sexual offence. And our Act says that when that happens, the teacher's registration is automatically cancelled So for this matter, we didn't need to finish our investigation. The finding of guilt concluded everything for us. Now, cancellation off the back of a finding of guilt or conviction for a sexual offence is the worst thing that can happen to your registration because there's no coming back from that. The legislation says you will also be disqualified from teaching in a school. So when there's a cancellation and disqualification because of a finding of guilt for a sexual offence, The legislation says we have to tell lots of different people and organisations. So we'll send a notice of cancellation and disqualification to the teacher, to the employer, to the Working with Children check unit, Commercial Passenger Vehicles Victoria, that's the regulator of taxis, hire cars and ride shares. We send the notice to all our interstate teacher regulators, our New Zealand counterpart... We remove the teacher's name from the register and we publish the cancellation and disqualification on the Register of Disciplinary Action. So here's a a little-known fact for some of you. Um, We also have to publish a notice in the Government Gazette about a teacher's cancellation and and disqualification. That's how serious these matters are, and that is exactly what happened in our case study. Even though there was no sexual intercourse between the teacher and the student the teacher was still found guilty of a sexual offence and their registration was cancelled and they were disqualified and then we had to tell everybody about it.
0: So now, Angela, before we finish up, I notice you haven't mentioned the gender of the teacher.
1: Now, I've deliberately avoided saying whether the teacher is male or female unless I accidentally said he or she without realising it, but I did this to illustrate a point. The Victorian teaching profession is a wide and diverse community where there is representation of males and females in both heterosexual and same-sex relationships. So the inappropriate sexualised relationships we see forming between teachers and students is also diverse, and that has been the case for many years. And we want to be able to report our findings in a better way to the broader community, and part of our new strategic plan is to do exactly that by focusing on gathering and analysing data so that we can report what we see issues teachers are facing and current trends but really in the grand scheme of things regardless of your gender or sexual orientation committing a sexual offence against any child is simply unacceptable it's against the law it's contrary to your code of conduct and it's considered to be incompatible with the teaching profession
0: That was Angela Barrick, Senior Lawyer at VIT, talking about conduct issues. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful, and thanks for listening.